Hey there, Rev. Okay, so the original recording of this unfortunately had audio defects in it, which is really sad because I'm always really fired up and ready to go when I record. And I always hate to lose an original recording because I feel that there are just, you know, little nuggets of wisdom in there that we're going to lose. But we're going to get through the second recording and uh, I hope it's just going to be just as awesome. So today's subject matter is why am I not just over it? Why can't I just get over it? Other people think I should just be over it. So we're going to address this concept of just getting over it today. Okay, so let's address it. Why are you not over it? Why can't you have this magical, spontaneous healing? Why does time not heal all wounds? Because it's a fallacy. Um, but I mean, listen, lobotomies are no longer allowed. <laughs> it's an archaic practice. It's out of date. And truly, that's what you would need to just get over it. You would actually need the part of your brain that was changed in the process of the trauma to be damaged for you to just get over it. Because what you need is you need those neuropathways, those places where your body has said, hey, this unsafe event happened. And so we put in place some emotional, physical, psychological cues for you so that you know when potentially you're unsafe again, you would actually need that part of the brain destroyed. And before we get into the four things that you really do need to heal to move forward in a healthy way, i.e. get over it, I want to address this fallacy of time heals all wounds. That was truly brought forth by a generation that didn't talk about their problems, that shoved shit down, that didn't air the dirty laundry, whose women were not allowed to have voices. And so they had coping mechanisms like these sayings of, well, Time heals all wounds, which was a really pretty way of saying you sweep that underneath the carpet, don't touch it, don't deal with it, and when enough time goes by, you'll just be over it. You'll be focused on something else. I mean, truly and really, it's probably that other traumatic things were happening, and so they weren't focused on that original traumatic thing. They were dealing with another thing in life, but... The time heals all wounds was brought forth by generations who didn't know how to process their trauma, who shoved things down, who raised generations of parents who shoved things down, who then raised us. And that's why we have these sayings still within our own vocabulary. But the beautiful thing is that we're in this really great kind of mix right now in society where talking about mental health and sharing mental health and wellness and being able to normalize that people have all feelings, not just good feelings, we are opening that discussion. 
And that is beautiful. So we're kind of walking into worlds, whether you're in my specific generation right here at 40 years old, or whether you're a bit younger, or whether you're a bit older. I feel like we all were kind of raised by parents who had that time heals all wounds mentality. Um, That doesn't necessarily mean that they want to be people who sweep things under the rug. It's just that a lot of our predecessors, right? If you don't want to call them parents, if you're in a situation where you maybe don't have biological parents or uh, guardians or you've broken ties with them, the predecessors that came before you were taught by those who came before them. And it's not an excuse for bad behavior, but it is an understanding of it. So let's talk about why you just can't get over it. (laughs) Well, we talked about lobotomies aren't real. We talked about how time uh, is false, but truly it's because the brain needs to process. You have to be able to retrain and or break down those neural pathways that happen within the traumatic event. So there's four main things that need to happen. And the first one of those is acknowledgement. Now, this is acknowledgement in totality, right? Not just, oh, yeah, I had a I had a bad childhood or, you know, I had this, um, you know, SA event in, you know, high school or college. Um, we really need to acknowledge the totality. What are the total parts of the sum? Okay. So you guys know that I use myself as an example because that's so that I don't betray anybody's trust who's reached out to me. And I don't give examples that, you know, people have not authorized me to give. So let's take my own example. Um, As an example, (laughs) let's take childhood abuse, foster care system, all that stuff, right? So for when we're looking at at my specific situation, it's not enough to just acknowledge and say like, yeah, I had a really crummy childhood. I have to acknowledge the wounds around abandonment from my biological parents. I have to acknowledge the addiction and the poor mental health that got a woman to the point of prostituting herself across country, which led her to be pregnant by a trucker. I have to acknowledge the fact that a 19-year-old walked into a mall, put down a baby, and left. I have to acknowledge that pain. I have to acknowledge that abandonment. I have to then acknowledge the foster care system and all the wrongs that happened within the foster care system. I have to acknowledge being taken out of a loving house because it wasn't fully white. I have to acknowledge these social workers and the state. I have to acknowledge the fact that, you know, biological family should have never, ever been able to have me. I have to acknowledge the addictions within them, the alcoholism, the codependency, the lies, the deceit, the abuse that happened there. I have to acknowledge the parents on, you know, my street that I grew up with who 
were look the other way kind of parents don't cause trouble. So they didn't call the authorities when they knew what was happening in my home. It was the mind your own business. I have to acknowledge how the schools failed me. I have to acknowledge how the courts failed me and continue to put me back in, right? I have to acknowledge all those steps. I have to acknowledge how my brother eventually took me into his home to basically me be a full-time babysitter and make money off the state for me so he could pay his bills and go have fun. All of it needs to be addressed. So I can't just say like, oh, I had a rough childhood. You have to fully acknowledge the embodiment of what you went through. And why is because the second thing that you need to do is process those parts. Okay. And it's going to be a different, um, a different process (laughs) for each one of those things. How, you know, how I went through processing abandonment is much different than how I went through processing what my brother did. Right. You know, in some places there's going to, um, you know, be hard boundaries, or there's going to be internal healing with forgiveness, there's going to be inner child work, there's going to be, you know, development around self love. But you have to process the parts. The reason why we don't just get over it is because we live every day in reality. So we're having those triggers touched on the daily, right? Whether it's language, whether it's a smell of a cologne, whether it's somebody's tonality in their voice, whether it's um, just being at a family gathering and being completely overwhelmed by the fact that you are sitting in a room full of people who perhaps stole your voice, right? So taking it into account for that thing for you right now, right? Because while these are specific, um, you know, questions that come in, these can be, you know, relayed to everyone. Everyone can understand this. And so as you go through processing the parts, you then need to have step three, which is, forgiveness. And it is not, let's be clear, it's not forgiveness for the person, the place, the situation that, um, you know, this terrible event happened with to however this event happened for you. It is the forgiveness that it happened. It is the forgiveness of carrying it in your heart. It's the forgiveness for how it impacted your life today. How did that low self-esteem, how does that play out in your life right now? How does the betrayal play out in your life right now? How did someone stealing your voice at six play out in your life right now? How does somebody telling you you're never going to be worth something play out in your life right now? Because I promise that it has followed you. And I promise that you are repeating those patterns somewhere, which again is why you just can't get over it because it's still in your life. And that's by no fault of your own. Don't you feel shame for this or guilt for this or any of it, but it's that deep acknowledgement, 
right? And the processing of parts, which is not just going to be the past parts, but it's going to be forgiveness for the parts that then you brought in because you were not aware yet, right? And as you become more aware, and as you begin to have that forgiveness for this event happening to you, you start to make changes. And you start to put down those boundaries and change your scenery, right? Which is all in step four. We really have to change the dynamic and retrain the brain, right? We have to look at those neural pathways and say, okay, if I don't want to keep, you know, digging this rut further down and affirming this neural pathway that, yes, I, I am not good enough or I'm not pretty enough or I deserved this one thing or, or um, I did a disservice to our family by speaking up about this or whatever, whatever you've lived with through this. When you start going through that deep self-forgiveness, you are going to have to re-evaluate your present life. You are going to have to renegotiate your present terms. And that's where it becomes a brutal process and people start to think that they're failing. I think that steps two and four are the hardest for people. Because in step two, right, as you process those parts, you are really, really becoming vulnerable and open, but then you still have to live in the world. And so you're out in the world with this open, vulnerable heart space, and you're likely still dealing with some repercussions of whatever your event was right? Whether that's the relationship you're in or the job that you took or, you know, still being around friends or family that put you down, don't make you feel good, are toxic. And so it can be really hard to acknowledge the parts and say, oh my gosh, you know, my family is so toxic. Okay, sure, mom, I'll be over there Sunday for dinner. You start feeling like a fraud, And my clients and I have these conversations all the time of like, God, I felt so good. I was like, you know, I came into this thing and I wanted to explore and I was acknowledging and I got to this processing part and I just, I don't know why I feel like I've taken like four steps back. And the reality is that you feel like you're taking steps back because you're living in this duality of a world where you're acknowledging the pain that a place, situation, or person caused you while perhaps simultaneously still dealing with that person, place, or event. And then, you know, retraining the neuro pathways and creating a new future forward, that's really difficult because you may have gotten yourself into a relationship or a job or a friendship circle 
or, you know, never stood up to your family before. And now you're going to have these phrases like, hey, don't talk to me like that. Or, hey, that's disrespectful to me. And as you start putting down these boundaries, the people who have benefited from your lack of boundaries, the people who have benefited from having control over you, whether that's emotionally, physically, or psychologically, they're going to push back the most. And when those people, whether it's work, friends, family, significant other, situationship, when those people are the main support systems in your life, even though, let's be realistic, a lot of times when we say support, it's the bare minimum, if anything, um, it gets really difficult because now you have to reevaluate who and what you can let in your life and the changes that you need to make to propel yourself forward. And that can feel very traumatic on top of traumatic. You can feel like, but I processed all this stuff and I already processed all this loss or this traumatic event and now I have to lose more. And so when we are reevaluating in step four, you know, it is a growing process. And if, you know, you are someone who's close to their family, their friends, their partner, you're going to have to express how you want to move forward. You have to have those conversations, if safe, of you know, I really started processing this and I realized that I've made some choices in my life that stem from not being strong and stem from being kept under someone's thumb or stemmed from having my voice stolen or stemmed from safety being removed from me. But there's a lot that I want to change about that because... I want to become confident and I want to become strong and I want to be someone who I can lean on. And when you confront yourself, other people are going to be very confronted. Because let's face it, nobody likes change, okay? There's there's a few rare people out there who are like, sure, I want a different bed every night with a different country and different surroundings and a, and a you know, different vantage point. But most of us, we really like um, continuity and consistency. We like to know, you know, how people act and who they are. We like to know what to expect. And so what is happening is you might be feeling like your family, your friends, or your partner don't care or that they don't... um, They don't see you or they don't really hear you. But the reality is that they may have been trained for your whole life or the, you know, the years of your relationship with each other, if it's friends or, you know, a significant other of this being you. And so when you start changing, you're going to hear things like, this isn't the you that I know. You're acting out. 
or I don't recognize this person that you are. You've really changed. And that can make you doubt yourself. But to go back and acknowledge the parts, right? Acknowledge it in totality, process those parts, have the forgiveness that it happened because it should not have ever happened. You should have been safe. You should have been secure. Someone should have protected you. It never should have happened. You should have been allowed to say nobody should have silenced you. Uh, there should have been more security. You should have been whatever it is. Okay. All of that is true. It shouldn't have happened. But when you forgive the universe, when you forgive that the event happened, then it's like, okay, let me figure out, right? The tools that I need for my triggers so that I can move forward. But man, that is real hard when you're living real life with people who only know one version of you. So if you are someone who thinks, well, I should just be over this or why am I not over this? I would ask you, where are you at in that four part series? Have you fully and deeply and openly acknowledged all parts? Have you processed all of those parts? Have you forgiven that the event happened? And are you working with whomever, right? It could be Western therapy. It could be integration like I am of Eastern and Western. It could be completely Eastern, which is more holistic and, you know, spiritual mentorship. But where are you on step four of getting tools for your triggers so that you can move forward and create a new system in a healthy way. Nobody spontaneously heals. Nobody wakes up unless you have a medical issue. Nobody wakes up and all of a sudden those neural pathways are gone. Whatever event happened to you, and I love that I can take something that's such a specific question and make this so broad for everyone. But, you know, that event that happened to you, your brain put in place pathways of protection. It couldn't stop the event. It couldn't stop the person. It couldn't stop the situation. But it said, we're going to at least learn and we're going to pick up these tools because we know that if we do this or we say this or we don't do this or we don't say this, that this is how we stay safe and alive. Even if they are poor coping mechanisms, they are mechanisms that kept you alive at one point, right? So maybe not speaking up and bearing everything and staying quiet as a mouse helped you as a child to stay alive, but perhaps that doesn't serve you in your personal and professional relationships. And that's something that you have to work through. You have to find where in life you are triggered 
into staying silent so that you can get a tool in your toolbox to work on that pathway and say, hey, we got to bring it back to present. Am I safe right now? Do I surround myself with safe people? Um, you know, where am I right now? Am I in danger right now? Why is my body lighting up? And let's be honest, your body might be lighting up with safety issues or security issues or whatever your particular issue is um, because you are not safe. Because there are people in your circle who are taking advantage of the fact that you do not have good boundaries in place. And that's not to diminish you. It's not to diminish them. It's just the precedent that's been set. So I would really encourage you to think about where you're at in that four part system. Okay. What does it feel like in your body as you listen to those four parts? Where do you need to work on that four part system better? Who can help you with that? Where do you know you need boundaries and all of that good stuff? All right, Rev, you contemplate that and I'll be back later this week to talk about some other stuff. Later, Rev. Hey, Rev, don't forget to send in your questions or your theme. Um, you are more than able to send in more than one. Um, we can definitely fit in more than one per person. Um, funny enough, a lot of the questions and um, things that are coming through are kind of within the same realm. So I'm able to group different peoples. So feel free, keep them coming. All right, Rev, we'll talk soon.